0: Welcome to Rise Up For You, a podcast focused on helping women get to the next step in life professionally and personally. Through our six pillars, relationships, investing, self-worth, career, love, and health, we focus on the whole woman. With interviews from global experts, teachers, authors, and more, we provide you with real strategy and tips that you can start implementing today in your career, relationships, and so much more. We are all about educating and empowering you to become your best self.
1: And now your host, Natalina.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I am your host, Natalina. Thank you so much for joining us today. We get the pleasure and the honor To listen and hear from Kim Fist today, she's a respected speaker, author, and thought leader who is sought after for her ability to convey to audiences practical ways to identify and navigate what she has coined as the monster under the bed. So a little bit more about Kim. She's an NLP practitioner, certified coach of planning, seven-figure income earner in relationship marketing. She's a member of the Association of Network Marketing for Professionals, National Speakers Association, E-Women Networks. I mean, you know, she's done a lot and she's doing incredible, incredible work with both genders and specifically with women. Today, she's going to be talking with us about how to get rid of the monster under the bed, how to be honest with yourself and how to be open to changing your perspective so that you can find the success that you want in your life. So rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Kim, thank you so much for joining us here on the Rise of Feed podcast. It is such an honor to have you on the show today.
1: Thanks. I'm very, very honored to be here.
0: We always like to start off the episode by letting our audience get to know our guest. So I would love for you to tell us about yourself and all the great work that you're doing in your own words.
1: Well, my work is basically now, well, it has been for over 30 years with just different vehicles. Um, but I'm looking back. I see it more, I see it clearer looking back than I did in the moment, which is kind of funny, but um, my work has always been just a a study of people, and I, of course, starting with myself, and then as I've worked in relationship marketing, I've worked, most of my life, I've either been performing, and then as I got older and directed and performed and and, um, uh, theater and music, and so that's kind of been my background. And then as I've started to work more one-on-one with people in team building, business management, trainings, um, coaching, um, I have a large relationship marketing business now where I have um, thousands of people on my team that I work with just directly. So I train trainers and things like that. But in throughout those probably 30 years of this, this environment, I've just noticed that no matter how any and a lot of these are women, so I'm going to speak to the women because that's who your, your audience primarily is. So, no matter how put together, successful, you know, perfect looking um, any of these people were. I just, all, I realized all of them had this this inner question, this inner doubt, like, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. The little voice. And, and it just always intrigued me. And I felt it in myself. It's like, where is that coming from? And and why. And so, you know, I'm a big reader, of course, and I'm, I attend seminars. I've done personal development over the years as well. And, and that's when I've really done the study of where does that come from really? Like, you know, growing up in, in a religious environment, you know, we were told, well, that's, you know, the devil or that's the old man or that's the flesh or, you know, whatever. And so I, whatever name you want to put onto it, it really has affected our psyche at that deep level. So that's what really got me interested in, in the work I'm doing
0: right now, Meta. So that's, that's really in- interesting. We have um, very, very similar stories. So essentially through the other fields and your other career paths, that's when you saw the need or you started to observe and take notice of, um, you know, some of the monkey chatter and some of the things that are getting in our way that are affecting our success that are coming from within. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so that's why this... So my, my relationship marketing business is still there. I, I love it because it's producing... You know, as that business structure does, it, it produces residual and leveraged income. So what I did a couple of years ago, when I really saw the need, I was in health and weight loss. Um, that's my other business. And I, so I've been dealing with women primarily with, in that arena about how this inner voice that says you're not okay. Um, so therefore you know, loose weight, look perfect. Um, I mean, so the book that I'm just now writing that I took a couple years and I kind of walked away from that a little bit, left it to come um, impact on a bigger level, bigger scale in the world, because I really feel like this is at the crux of so many um, physical issues, mental issues, relationship issues, um, people that just can't seem to get get past these roadblocks inside themselves and they look at it with their logical brain and go, I don't get it. Cause I know that these feelings are illogical. I know they're not, maybe they know that maybe they don't, maybe they're still back at the place where they're aligning with those feelings and they think they're a pile of crap and, and they're just putting up a facade because in, in the work that I do now with this book, I, I don't know if you want me to talk about the book, but um, right now, but that's kind of what led me to noticing how, the inner, that, that early wiring when we were children. And I'll, I'll talk about that if you want me to, um, in regards to the premise the metaphor I laid out and then how that plays out in our lives today and how we can not only just notice it because that doesn't, it's not helpful for me just to notice like, okay, thanks, Kim. Great. I know where that comes from, but I'm still miserable, right? Like it's still, so what, right? So that's kind of what I want to speak to is, okay, there's hope, (laughs) feel better because we're going somewhere with this. Right.
0: Yeah. So you know what, let's, let's dive into this a little bit more because I'll be honest with you as the founder of Rise for You, we do a lot of research, um, in regards to our live events, any, anything that we, uh, that we put out there, we collect data and Regardless of education, regardless of how many degrees we have or what we are doing professionally, what, um, you know, what title we hold in the workforce, the number one thing that we see that we get response back is that women want to build more confidence, that they want to get out of their own way, that they want to get rid of their self-doubt. It's across the board, regardless of where they come from economically, what education they have, or what their background is, which is a very interesting, in my opinion, it's interesting data and it's also, um, you know, it, it shows that we're not alone and there is a common denominator there. And I think you're right. I think that it's, it's kind of a beast to tackle and to help women to understand, you know, where these thoughts are coming from and how they can get out of their own way. So let's talk about this a little bit. Let's dissect it because it is a need across the board. Um, you know, where, Let's start from the beginning. You know, sometimes people don't even realize that, the, that they are having these thoughts or that they're getting in their own way or that they are, in fact, manifesting maybe some of the obstacles that are, that are in front of them.
1: Yeah. So um, the book I'm writing, I don't know when this is going to be aired, so it's, kind of, you know, it's, it's either out right now or it's coming soon, <laughs> but it's called The Monster Under the Bed, Uncovering the Lie That Drives Us. And so it's a metaphor, you know, basically, it just fits all of these hundreds, if not thousands of people I've worked with, that this voice that you're talking about, that I've sensed, that, that I continue to sense, because it isn't something that is going to be completely eliminated. Um, So the premise of it is, is that when we're young, um, we don't have the cognition Like, around the ages of three or four, when we start realizing that, you know, we're not part of our mom's body anymore, like, we're an individual, we, well, we are born with innate survival instincts, like, in our brain. We don't, we didn't control it, we didn't, it's our default setting as part of the evolutionary process of being a primate, and we need a few things. Number one, you need food and water, right? So you're going to have, you're going to have those instincts. You're also going to come wired with fear, because fear is a survival instinct. It is a way for you to go, and you didn't need a reasoning brain about it. You just needed to go, oh, unknown means unsurvivable, potentially. Like, if it's unknown, you might not survive it, so kind of stay away. That's, and that has served us well, you know, in the evolutionary process. So what happens, though, with this little kid, imagine be three, four, five. I don't care about what age specifically, and I don't even know that there is a specific for everyone. It, You know, and I don't know if it's one incident. I don't think it is. But there's a point where without the prefrontal cortex brain, which is the brain that develops fully in the mid-twenties, like think about that. That brain that gives you the ability to listen to what I'm saying right now and process this information and go, oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. You're using your logical reasoning brain. You didn't have that at four. Have you noticed? (laughs) Not much reasoning done with a four-year-old because they don't have the equipment yet. So they process life and more importantly, their identity based on um, faulty wiring, so to speak. It's not faulty in all ways because it helped us survive. But when you look at um, a 4 year old, let's say, and um, how they're wired is, first of all, anything unknown is unsurvivable after a minute. Now they're fearless jumping off the couch and, you know, They can do all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to their identity, we're primates. And one of the biggest survival wirings we have is we have to belong. We have to be okay in our our community, in our tribe, in our family. Because loners didn't survive. You didn't survive as a loner, as a primate. You need your community. So innate in in our wiring is, am I okay? That is the question running. And we had no logical connection to it. It was only processed emotionally in our limbic brain our survival brain, the amygdala. So when that amygdala got triggered inaccurately because maybe your mom just slapped your hand or yelled at you. I mean, even in the best homes where there was really, really high level consciousness parenting going on, which wasn't very often I have found because our monsters raise our children, right? Our, our parents' monsters raised us. Like we're just all products of this same wiring. We just got older and we don't know that that's what's still manifesting in our in our life but as a little kid maybe my mom just slapped my hand maybe she jerked me away from you know running out into the street and maybe she yelled at me which hello we've all, we have all did that but how that little kid processes it is not oh okay thanks mom i get that you love me i get that i could have died the i the the fear is uh oh i'm not okay because that's how it processes identity and cognition is through emotion. And so then, now, this is all my metaphor. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to believe it fully or whatever. It just fits with what I've seen happen in people's um, experience. So then they have this feeling like, I might not make it because I'm not okay. These people are mad at me. This person's mad at me and I can't be, they can't be mad. I've got to be okay. So now the amygdala struck and it says, flight or fight, right? I believe that flight was our first feeling that we're not okay. I think that that was a survival mechanism like hide, run away because you might not be okay. As illogical as that sounds now as adults, but in the little kid brain, that's where that wiring came from. And then on its heels is, uh uh-oh, you've got to be okay. So you better do something to be okay. Look around at this family you were born, these, these people that you have to be okay with. Look around. What do they value? Oh, Oh, be perfect, make your bed just like that, fold the towel just like that. Okay, 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 I better do that. Oh, oh, I better get straight A's in school. Oh, oh, okay, oh, I better go be good in sports. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Like, we look at what is valued in our community, and that's what our fight instinct is, is to go prove that we are okay. So it's still answering that basic, basic question, am I okay? And the lie, in my metaphor, that lives under the bed is is the monster. The monster and the liar are kind of synonymous here. It's scary because even though it's not, there, I don't know. Neda, did you have a fear when you were a kid that maybe there was something under your bed or in the
0: closet? Um, or in the dark? not so. I had more of a fear of, um, I guess. Sp- scary figures that weren't real. Yeah, I wouldn't say a monster, but maybe like Friday the 13th and uh, Freddy Krueger, okay. <laughs> those yeah. kind of figures.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you were probably in your teen years when you watched those, but when you were little, um, in the dark, like why do kids get afraid of the dark, for example? what I looked at my granddaughter one time when she was just like three, and she'd been in the dark all of her life. When she was a baby, when she was in the crib, in the dark dark, 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 dark. Oh, all of a sudden, dark is not okay. Because cognitively, it's that fear I'm talking about. You go, oh, the dark means there's unknown, and where there's unknown, there might be death. That is our survival instinct, and it kicks in with a little kid. They still, she's seven or eight now, just turned eight. She needs to still have a light on, because there's something about the dark, even though nothing ever happened to her bad in the dark, ever, nothing. She should never have any association to the dark and something scary that you don't need something scary for reals because your imagination is going to create it, your mind's going to create it to keep you on alert, part of the survival brain. So when we are triggered to fight to prove that we're okay, that was built on a lie to begin with. And that one of the phrases I use in the book is, you can never get enough of what you never needed to begin with. So when I work with people now that have to be prettier, skinnier, richer, Um, perfecter worthier like there's this drive and they associate it to different things in their life like they might not need to be perfect in everything but maybe these are the things that really really have to be perfect or I have to weigh only this much or um, I have to you know like there It's there makes no logical sense where it applies and where it doesn't because this doesn't live in the logical brain it was wired fired and wired together in our I'm just saying four-year-old brain. But in our young brain, that was uh, just built for survival and not for um, not for logic. Now we fight all the time. Our little four-year-old self-wired us, and we don't know it. And this is really the, the, the end of this story for me in the book is now that you're aware of how – and you use the word chatter. Yep, I, I call it the monster's chatter, how the monster speaks to us, its purpose for us. Um, it really is our little four-year-old self that's just afraid and doesn't feel love and never knew it was loved, never felt unconditional love for itself, never knew it was already intrinsically perfect and worthy, never knew that emotionally. And so until those kind of um, emotional pathways are rewired and because you're, ever, you're going to be ever craving and having to prove, 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 and you can never prove it. You can never get there from here. So it it just wears people out. They get burned out. They get sick. They get they get die. They ruin relationships. Like it just messes up
0: our lives. So where do we where do we begin this process? Because I, I do agree with you that a lot of this, in my opinion, and and what you were saying, it stems um it stems from years and years and years of conditioning that we don't really realize is happening. How do we start to break that down and to change our perspective and? To recognize where it's coming from so that we can then get rid of it and, and move past it, um, which, which obviously is essentially the goal, is to be able to acknowledge where it's coming from, understand it, and then now be able to create a new story that's more positive that can help us be more successful in our life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question. Um, and that is the crux of it. One Just understanding this alone has provided some relief for people because they can go, yeah, okay, that's right, that feel that resonates with my logical brain, like that makes sense, because it can still feel the, 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 the triggers from the, the emotional stuff, one other thing that makes a huge difference in understanding is our reticular activating system, it's part of our brain as well, I call it in the book, mental blood hands, excuse me, and... What it is, is once you give significance, and you can only give this part of your brain significance with emotion, like cerebral significance doesn't really count because, as we all know, if we were living by what we knew cerebrally, like in our logical brain, we'd all be perfect. (laughs) We would have no problems if we did what we knew, right? Mm. So uh, where the issue lies is in that deeper thing. Once that little four-year-old, let's just say, and I'm just using that age as an example, but once our young self emotionally gave our brain, the bloodhounds, this reticular activating system, part of our brain, its job is to be the gatekeeper and only let in the things we have told it, it is true or significant. So, like, for example, have you ever looked at a clock and seen the same time all the time? Like,
0: yeah. mine is yeah. <laughs>
1: 11 a it's my anniversary. Like, do you have a time significance?
0: Uh, not yeah. particularly
1: Have you ever went to go buy a car, and the minute you decide on a red Toyota, oh, my gosh, they're everywhere? Like, has that happened to you?
0: Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah, that's the reticular activating system. Because we can't process or even let it. It doesn't let in. All the data and all the stimulus in our world uh, that we could get, it's there. It's all. See, that's the interesting thing. It's there. There's evidence of it, but it doesn't allow it in. It's part of our brain. So it helps us to manage our life because we've told it. So when the four-year-old said, uh-oh, with emotion, again, this isn't said logically or verbally. It's an emotional response from our little kid that said, I'm not okay. That gave the, 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 the bloodhounds don't sit there and go, oh, honey, yes, you are. You are loved and unconditionally imperfect. Don't worry about it. Your, your mama didn't mean that. No, no, no. It says, okay. That's, okay, thanks, I'll let that in then. All your life, that's the evidence you have seen. In fact, how many of us say when something bad happens to us or we blow our diet again or we don't, whatever, whatever the little fault is we have, how many of us go, yeah, that's like me? Because that's been only the data that has been allowed or we also use it against others. We'll go, oh, my husband's such a slob. He never picks up his clothes. Well, because you have told your brain to only notice the times he leaves his clothes laying around. You will never see the times, just like you don't see those other cars until you're ready, until you've told your brain they're significant to you. You don't see those cars. They're just like not there. So, the cool thing about how I think that probably the lie, this feeling of not being okay, would have probably, we would have outgrown it. We would have, with our cognitive cognition, and some kids can. They go, oh, you know what? I get it back. Like their brains can handle that earlier in life, uh, other than this bloodhound part of it.
0: Mm-hmm. if it wasn't
1: for one house keeping bringing the evidence to us to just embed it deeper 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 see 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 because that's its job and you have told it what it now shows you the evidence of so part of what you asked is how do we rewire that well how yep the whole process that i talk about is number one being aware that's huge 99 percent of it is just like oh recognizing the voice, recognizing those emotions, recognizing where, I have in the book 10 monster tracks that show you where in your life, like number one is shame because I think that's our first go-to emotion. I think that's the, I'm not okay, I'm gonna hide. I believe, and I I could, this isn't a thing to agree or disagree with, it's just my metaphor so, but I think shame was the first powerful uh, uh, feeling that we felt. That made us feel like we, we might not survive. And so then like people pleasing, is number two. And number three is judgment. And we beat ourselves up because, oh see, I did it again. I suck. I'm bad. I'm bad. And we go back into shame. And then like comparison and blame and getting your button pushed easily. And all these things are the monster tracks that I talk about to help people identify where does the damage show up in your life right now that you know doesn't serve you? You know, I can point to my reaction. I can point to um, how I respond to things and how I behave and go, ooh, I know I know on some level that that's, that, that's a dysfunctional, unhealthy, kind of toxic part of me, but I don't know what to do about it. Mm. And so then I, towards the end of the book, I do talk about, um, and, and it is, awareness is huge, but awareness alone won't do it. It just makes you go more into self-judgment, doesn't it? When you're aware... Don't you go, oh crap, I did it again, I suck, right, um, so then then it's it's about talent, like, and I loved what you said, creating a new interpretation of it, like, you need to tell yourself, you need to give those bloodhounds new a new truth from an emotional standpoint that is true about you, and that's hard to do for women that are, this is part of our identity, this is who we are, right, that's, you're not going to... It's scary. I call it running to the roar. you got to go lift up that bedspread and go look at in that scary place, and there's nothing there really. Just like my little eight-year-old self found when I went under the bed to look at that for sure monster. There was part of my cognition that went, mm, I'm going to go look, because I think it's probably just not true. That's what we have to do now as adults with this reasoning brain we have. Does
0: that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Kim, it's been really um, an honor to talk with you and, and to hear your insight behind this because, again, it is, it is a problem. It's a continuous and it is circular. So as you mentioned, as an adult, if we don't work on it, then we pass it down to our children and it's, it's really just continuous, uh, a continuous issue. I'd love to jump into the power section of the interview and ask you a couple more questions to get you to know you a little bit more personally. I wanted to start with a book. You know, what's one book that you've read that's had a massive impact that you would recommend to us?
1: Well, one of the uh, Return to Love, it was during my mindfulness years where I really learned to stop believing my thoughts and questioning my thoughts. And so um, Return to Love, Marianne Williamson, was a huge one, Wayne Dyer, anything Wayne Dyer... Um, help me learn that, um, John Cabot's in. um, uh, everywhere I go there, I am, or I said, there you are, something like that. Mm-hmm. That was a huge book of just learning how to separate the truth from my thoughts. That was, that was a very pivotal point in my life.
0: And what's one, what's one value that you constantly stick by throughout your journey That something that's not, uh, non-negotiable? Uh,
1: non-judgment.
0: Non-judgment. Like I,
1: and I slip into it, and then, but I, I've triggered myself now to be aware when I slip into it, and then I, I stop it. I'm like, nope. And which is love, basically. It's just pure, unconditional love, no judgment about anything. That's, that is a non-negotiable for me.
0: And here at Rise Up For You, we always like to ask if you can leave the world with one final message. We call it our golden nugget. What would that be?
1: Yeah, it's to is that is to learn how to navigate your watch your emotion to know what you're thinking. Because emotion is the GPS. So you look at how you feel and it always is preceded by a thought. So when you separate those out and go or learn how to go back to the thought that caused that emotion, then you can go, then mindfulness can kick in and you can investigate. And it's, it, I know that's not one thing, but it's, it's like one principle that just, we're in a loop of constant judgment, emotion, thought, judgment, emotion, thought, and we just downward spiral. So if you can stop that cycle right there and learn how to do it um, and get good and don't judge yourself if you fail at it, you know, like stop judging that you didn't do it right. And, uh, and really just separate that out. It's the beginning of peace and that finding that inner unconditional love that was always there, always there for you. You just didn't know it.
0: Absolutely. And lastly, as you know, we're the company Rise Up For You. I always like to ask out of curiosity, what comes to mind for you when you hear that phrase, Rise Up For You?
1: When I hear that, I think of the you that it's really the you. The you you don't even know that you have yet because you've been just beat down or you've been driven by a a voice that isn't the real you. It's still that hijacked four-year-old that's trying to be okay. And when you step into that you, and it's a rise up, because what it feels, oh, number one, you feel like a million pounds, of, you, you feel free, you feel like you can be authentic, you can be the real you, once you realize where these voices and emotions have come from. So I love the phrase rise up for you, because the real you is waiting for to rise up.
0: I love that. Kim, thank you so, so much for joining us today. And thank you for spending time with us and sharing your thoughts. I'd love to ask you know, how do we stay connected to you and how do we support you and learn more about you?
1: Well, it's just basically the website kimfisk F I S K E dot com. And so it's easy. I'm easy to find. I'm just, I'm kind of just new putting support pieces together. So just find me, get the book. If it's out already, get it. If it helps you, if it resonates on some level. Um, or just go sign up at the website, and you'll get some updates on what I'm doing, wherever I'm going to be. I'm going to do a live event in Vegas on November 4th. Um, that should be available on my website, and a retreat in Mexico. I just really want to roll up my sleeves and get in with people and actually make a difference. And not the book was just a door opener for me. It's not going to be a one and done for people. So uh, I'm excited about your. I'm excited about getting to know you and your mission more with how it can impact this same message. So thank you, Netta, for everything and having me on.
0: Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, Kim. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and pass it on to your friends and family. You know, the podcast is just one way that we reach our community members. If you go to our website, www.riseupforyou.com, you will see articles written from contributors from around the world, webinars, live events for you to attend. But you know, we also have a huge online resource center full of information that you can access absolutely free. And you know, one of my favorite sections is the Unstoppable Confidence Toolbox that's full of practices and ways to help you build confidence so that you can overcome any doubt that's consistently getting in your way. It's actually pretty cool. I mean, there's PDFs, there's articles, there's exercises, there's so much for you to take hold of and really help you get to the next step. The cool thing is is we have programs, trainings, and live coaching calls that are happening all year long, special for our members. So if you're looking for more and you really want to connect with like-minded women like yourself, then you definitely want to check out our membership and all of the benefits that we have to offer here at Rise Up for You. And lastly, if you haven't already, we would really love to hear from you and know how we're doing. Head over to iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and let us know how we're doing. Rate us, review us so that we can be better and rise up with you. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Rise up for you. Be better today than yesterday and prepare for a greater tomorrow.